When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Wise Strip podcast is brought to us by our Hampsterdam level patrons. They are Marcy Mangum, Morgan Tanji, Rasul Moat, Steve Toes, Paul Wallace, and Patrick Birch. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode to find out how you guys can join them as well and get your names read out at the top of the episode. It's not just entertainment. You know, the war was never just entertainment. You know, it was always a political statement. You know, and everything you do after is going to be, you know, measured against it. I constantly do measure things, you know, before and after in in relation to it. And you'd be hard-pressed to, to find something as good Hello, welcome. It's The Wire Stripped. I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And this, uh, as you know, is the podcast where we watch The Wire every episode, week by week. This week we are watching Season 3, Episode 4. It's called Hamsterdam. It's the name. It's the big name. That we've, it's the name we've all been waiting for, Hamsterdam. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so this is this is the bit we're on the cusp now. It's getting it's getting juicy, Season 3. Yeah. Uh, so very excited to chat about this episode. Before we get to that, uh, Kobe, tell us how they can contact us. Yes, we would. We do love hearing from you guys. So do contact us. We are easiest way to contact us is by email producers at thewirestrips.com. But also follow us online. We are at thewirestrips on Twitter. Um, and also search for the wirestrips on Instagram. You'll find us there. We're the only company, we're the only podcast that does that, it has that name. So just reach out and find us. We'll be there and say hello. Right, shall we get into it? Let's throw to ourselves talking about this episode. <laughs> Over to you, Kobe and Dave. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He got the fire and the fury So here we are, uh, we're on stakeout um, We're in the back seat of Jimmy Minolte's car As he is there with his binoculars Eating Cheez-Its Yeah and watsos and ring dings Ring dings and all the good stuff <laughs> um, What do you think of this episode? Again, it's a builder, but we, we we start seeing what's happening. We start seeing what's wearing in Cutty's mind. We start seeing what's going on in Bunny's mind, the manifestations of these things. So I think it's a really cool episode, but again, it's still just ready. The kind of, the powder is being primed in the, <laughs> yeah. in the keg, ready for things to, to get lit up. It's a really good episode, though. I thought it was yeah. solid. Um, do you want to take the point on this? Yeah, so let's, why don't we... Uh, why don't we go meet Carcetti in the bar? Yeah, we didn't talk so much about him in the previous episode, so let's uh, yeah, let's talk about Carc. We get a good bit of a good bit of Tommy Carcetti here, don't we? Yeah. So he's hanging out with all his uh, 
his but old it, college friends, yeah, I guess, I guess or so, the, yeah. yeah, old friends in there. Um, I thought, well, very interesting. You get you learn a lot about Carcetti in this one scene alone. Mm. So, a he's pro-immigrant. Yeah, even in the face of his peer group who are kind of being racist. Well, right? this is, this is it. it's a great thing that you see that you show that representation of him because there's so many times when. And I remember when I when I was at university or meet friends where we'd say, people say stuff that you kind of think, well, I don't kind of agree with that, but you just kind of keep stunned. You just yes. keep stunned, don't you? Exactly. And, and, and that's a human trait. Yeah. Within our peer group, you just kind of go along with it. And I, and I think you're right. And I think that shows us. And, and it's also, it's behind closed doors yeah as such like it's not this isn't a public forum and because we know politicians can say you know can say one thing and mean another but he literally could say he could have just agreed or you know gone along with it just to keep his friends happy and it wouldn't have cost him anything mm. but he didn't which means or implies that he really believes this yeah. so it shows us he's you know these these are his true principles yes. which i think is you know and from an audience point of view it's really admirable yeah. and you're like yeah good on you but then you kind of see him lie. <laughs> well, we obviously we've got over, hanging over that is the affair stuff and the extramarital stuff. And you know that's not the only the incident in the last episode. That's not the only time that's happened for sure. You no. you just know it. Yeah. Uh, and we get this whole you know we see him uh, leering at this woman at a bar and he's making bets with his with his friends and 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 all this. Um, but then, you know, whatever the gag, the gag is he knew her and took his friends for a ride, which yeah. tells us he's clever and, mm-hmm. and deceptive. But then he tells her specifically, I would never cheat on my wife and family. Like yeah. he lies to her face. Yeah. So he's a good liar. <laughs> he's a good liar. He's clever. He's doggedly determined to get what he wants, which we've seen mm-hmm. in that we saw him in the last episode, look at a woman and then decide he wanted to have sex with her and then did. He made that happen. He t- he does the same thing here, where he says to his friends, "I'm going to be mayor," and then he walks over to the bar and gets a campaign manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's a real, like um, like Bunny. He's an agent of change, yeah. which you know we keep saying that, but that they they're the catalysts. These characters are the catalysts for change in this show. Um, and again, he's just another example of someone with like some really bad sides and some really good sides yeah right? um, and he just the way you describe him there he's he's a politician he's a true politician <laughs> yeah 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 a lie you mean a lying philandering yeah uh, <laughs> they're all at it there's a room in parliament in the UK I don't know if there is a room but there's a room you know there's a room oh we're getting yeah. sued yeah we're getting sued <laughs> Tom get the lawyers lined up <laughs> um, so this is the first time we meet uh, Teresa D'Agostino um, who will come to know a bit more in the season and she's Carcetti tries to bring her on side to be the campaign manager for mayor running for mayor which in Baltimore Carcetti's white Irish background everyone's laughing at him straight away because no the mayor in Baltimore hasn't been white for like de- for generations and it's, yeah. it's almost like a, a fool's errand in their mind but he makes a compelling case to to um, Teresa doesn't he yeah I'll pay you I think <laughs> yeah <laughs> Season three, I was definitely like, oh, good, we're back with, you know, within the kind of communities that I've been interested in from season one. This is the voice of Dave Pickering. He's a podcaster and a huge fan of The Wire. Uh, And also the new people that we have, 
which is mainly within kind of the world of politics in various different kinds of meanings of the word of, you know, not always politicians. Sometimes they're people pressuring politicians or people who are within their communities playing the role of politicians uh, where the, where politicians are failing them or leaders if you like um but the yeah the, the new people the new kind of focus of season three is politics and that makes it well in my wheelhouse like incredibly in my wheelhouse so i was in- really excited and loved season three from you know from the start if you want to get a sense of the mayor of baltimore uh what they're like and 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 why carcetti makes so much sense this is podcaster and academic andrew johnston our baltimore expert since Martin O'Malley has left the position, we've had at least three, four mayors, I want to say. Yeah, there's Dixon and Pugh, I know off the top of my head, uh, because both Dixon and Pugh had to resign out of corruption charges. One of them was using her position as mayor to sell children's books, like to sell children's books that she had written, which is... Mwah. I'm not an avid, you know, uh, politico or activist. The voice you're hearing now is Aidan Gillen, who plays Carchetti. I hadn't played a politician before. That was something that I thought was, you know, was definitely going to be a challenge. But, you know, I I was placed, you know, in the care of of the right people from the get-go. And I had a pretty, you know, I felt confident enough that I would... uh, pick it up pretty fast, you know, just the language of local politics, which, you know, would be kind of impossible to know. Obviously, living in another continent, you're familiar with, you know, national national level politics, presidents, stuff like that, but then dealing with s- small council chambers, that kind of thing. Uh, a crash course was required and provided, and Bill Zorzi, who is a, one of the guys on the writing team, um, who wrote a fair bit of the Carchetti strand, if you like, um, was, you know, by my side and available whenever at, at all times and um, was really, really helpful. Let's see what Bunk's up to. Hello, Bunk. Hey, Bunk. He's, uh, so he's over, he's interviewing uh, drug dealers trying to find his gun, isn't he? Yeah. He's got oh. to Hark and Carve have rounded up a load of, a uh, lot of peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> Potential peanuts. It's just like, oh God. <laughs> It's called Peanut. How many of the oh, 87 Peanuts in, in the Western districts? It's just... Is it you? Is it you with a gun? Oh, okay. Is it you? Okay. Do you know the Peanut with a gun? No? Here's my card. You've got to get a job. I did like how he sli- like he was just slipping the cards yeah. into their clothes, <laughs> under their hats. Yeah. And then one of them, there's like this kind of moment of it's a sen- tension, yeah. standoff, when one of, the, one of the dudes like flips it away and then you see you like... Bunk is kind of taken aback and then puts it right back. Like, he, it's an it's such an interesting dynamic, isn't yeah. it? Where the power is completely shifted all of a sudden in the, with the police and the drug dealers. Yeah, so like, now you want something for me. Um, I can cooperate if I want to or not. So yeah. go fuck yourself. It's such a, it's such a weird sort of relationship. Yeah. It's like parent teacher in some ways, and it's like, but they're symbiotic, aren't they? And we see this later on, with jumping ahead to the kind of epigraph of this of this episode, where Herc and Carver trying to line up these 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 uh, corner guys to move them to Hampstead, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, and Fruit says, "Why you got to go and fuck with the system?" Yeah, he's got he's got all they've got the 
all the guys in the corner lined up and telling them to this is a new era coming in and they're not happy with it but yeah the idea is good the idea kind of makes sense from our, the viewer's point of view and from Bernie Coleman's point of view but you still got to get the corner guys on and Marlow Stanfield and Barksdale crew on board so it's not going to work if they don't agree to it why would they go for it for, the, for yeah. them this is the status quo yeah. and also but but everyone's comfortable in that everyone's just going through the motions and particularly you know the the Barksdale crew and the and the the corner people and Harkin Carve in particular. Yeah. You know, the Harkin Carve and the the Western Un uh, Western Vice Union. Unit, <laughs> the Western Union <laughs> unit. They're they're not doing good police work. No. They're doing they're just compounding the problem. They're and we see we see it in this episode. They just round people up, mm-hmm. they talk shit back to them, and they don't listen. And it's it's just this stupid relationship. It's the and, Western District way. Woo! Oh well, that yeah, yeah, that's the line we got on the last episode, yeah. wasn't it? And they, and they basically <laughs> said, "See eyes, fuck that." And I liked when uh, I know we're jumping back at episode now, but Kima basically like tut tuts like yeah, like Herc, and is like, "You're only as good as your CIs." Yeah, I taught you that. <laughs> like, they, they these these dudes just embody the what's what's not working about police work mm. and what Bunny's trying to change, which is kind of funny because Bunny's using them as his agent of change and it's <laughs> still not working. <laughs> um, going back to Bunkin, we see Bunkin, is this the first time we've seen Bunkin and uh, Jimmy in the in a bar this season? Yeah, well, we had Jimmy and uh, Kima and Daniels in a bar last se- last episode. Yeah. Well, I guess they were all at uh, uh, Ray Cole's Wake. Ray Cole's Wake. And but... Uh, with Minolti and Kira on the railway sidelines talking about... Yeah, because that's what you do. You go yeah. to the bar, yeah. then you get wasted and then drive to the railway tracks Absolutely. and get more beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so bizarre. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah, this is Jimmy and Bunk properly being Jimmy and territory. Bunk. Yeah. yeah. Absolute territory. Um, and you get a hint that Bunk is a... You know, we we saw him in season one. I think yeah. have the have a sort of a extramarital affair. Yes, uh, which he kind of seemed quite upset about at the time. I recall. I think he was just hammered and um, mournful and crying in yeah, a, in her pink dressing gown. I and, guess the fog of war kind of cleared and he realized yeah. some shit. But now it seems to be just like regular occurrence. Well, it had a, it seems to have a playbook because they're like, yeah, what about number play two? Three? Yeah, number, and, and they just know what that means. Um, which is which is dark. That's properly because it's Barney from How I Met Your Mother, isn't it? That's it, exactly it's, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Not condoning extramarital affairs in any way, shape, or form. But there's one in one way where it kind of happens. You don't expect it. There's a worse undertone to let's actually go out and seek these things. And to the extent you've got a playbook, you've got a rule of tried and tested measures that could work yeah. to to achieve your goal and that's just that's it's just pr- it's horrible. really seedy yeah and then and then well his playbook is like a classic barney play as well it it's is just like it goes up and says my mother just died it's like not even <laughs> you know how does that, how's that work <laughs> oh let's not talk about that and then we get mcnulty leaving the bar for a rendezvous call yeah which we've seen so many times in in the in this show but this time is different he's been cop blocked yeah, <laughs> uh, and so we see Daniels and Rhonda sort of looking th- awkwardly through the uh, through the window yeah. at drunk drunk Jimmy. Is that a brilliant shot? Isn't there of the through the, through the peephole? Yeah, that just looks uh, it looks so gross. I, I, just, <laughs> I just kind of thought at some point in previous seasons, Rhonda would have gone, yeah, right. 
I know. That's kind of, it's kind of upsetting, isn't it? That she got trapped into this Jimmy whirlwind. Because he's just awful. He's a terrible, when he's drunk, he's just, well, generally he's a terrible human being. Um, Yeah. Drunk Jimmy on on a booty call. It can't and be the best. Dominic West yeah. is such a good drunk actor. Brilliant. So's Wendell Pierce. Got to be. I mean, they're. I mean, they're all good. But I think those two lads in particular. They are peak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got a lot of uh, practice in. To be. To be fair, because uh, they're, they're drunk in half the scenes in this show. Jordan better be awake too, because I do believe Lester Freeman's in the mood for love. <laughs> This is Mr. Lester Freeman himself, Clark Peters, when we chatted to him at our live show at the London Podcast Festival. Do you have any tips for drunk acting? Or? <laughs> Get drunk. <laughs> Get drunk, you know, that's, that's the best way to do that. <laughs> the wife seems like a masterclass in drunk acting. You, uh, M- M- McNulty, McNulty, just, no, no, not me. No, <laughs> McNulty and Bunk. <laughs> <laughs> Those getting involved sometimes. Though. No, only uh, not le- well. That, that that time I was legless. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have needed to be carried home. But most of the time, it's just a drink after work. Yeah. Well, you guys used to hang out a lot, right? And go to pubs and clubs. Yeah. Great atmosphere. That was only the first season. <laughs> right. I got wise. I, you know, I, I'm the oldest. I was the oldest one in that cast. So um, as much as I'd like to be around the, the, those young bucks, man, that energy just, those guys wear me out, man. You know, there's just so many times you can go to a, a, a bar and just hang out there for, and just talk the same nonsense, you know. <laughs> don't you find that? I mean, men of a certain age, don't you feel like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you can do better things with your time, you know. Right, let's talk, uh, let's talk about the Western. What's going on over there with Bunny? Bunny is, he's reassuring people at a at a town hall meeting that, guys, shit is bad. What's really cool here is that he's, the his sergeant is facing lots of questions from an angry, an angry community, rightly so. You know, people getting shot at, there's, there's gunfire going off all the time and people having to sleep under their beds. Yet again, kind of fueling the fire of, the changes that he's trying to make are right. There's, he can make, he feels he can make a change and if he, and he seems justified by it. Um, and he steps up and says, guys, yeah, we need to do better and I'm going to try and do better. Um, it's a good scene. And mm. the, uh, and yeah, it's Bunny displaying the same sort of honesty which we saw at the Comstat meeting in the last episode. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not going to juke the stats. He's just sick of it. He's not going to juke these stats. This is what it is. It's a problem and he's going to try something new. And he's not, and he's applying the same tactic to these people, these civilians, in that like, he says, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not good and it, and it hurts me that this is happening to you. And then one person, which I thought was really interesting, one of the, um, community members asks him, "Well, what's the solution then?" And he and he basically says, "I, d- I don't know what it is, yeah. uh, but I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. I, I said it's not going to be a lie because that's that's not the solution." Which is great. Um, which is kind of that's the core of the wire in a way mm. because the wire all the all the the wire doesn't lie to you, <laughs> right? Ever as an audience, the wire shows us the the actual truth behind cops and drug dealers like the the police system is corrupt not all drug dealers are bad people yeah um the you know uh, people are victims of circumstance exactly so you know we can't cover all the themes off here but basically 
The Wire shows you all this. It doesn't lie to you, but it also doesn't give you any solutions. No. Right? The show never or very rarely sort of implies that the, gives you alternatives or solutions. This is just how it is, and it just sparks debate. And that's why, that's why it's so genius. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the beauty of The Wire, isn't it? This is the voice of Andy Brassel, who is one of the hosts of the Football Ramble and On the Continent podcast, and is a huge fan of The Wire. The fact that th- th- they're never in a rush to get anywhere, and it's it's not like an, a, a, a normal uh, cop show where, you know, there's um, an incident at the start, the investigation in the middle, um, a fake denouement, maybe about like 35, 40 minutes in, and then the payoff at the end. Because it doesn't work like that, they've got such room to to, to build the tension. And even the, the, the bits that are are not hidden, that are not surprises, that they feel t- more tense. One of my favourite characters in The Wire enters in season three, and that is Cutty. Uh, he's a gr- it's a great actor who plays Cutty, but also it's a great story. Like and. It's it's a it, it's it's also very significant. I think that it that we meet him after season two because in season two it's been really about what people think of as the working classes, which means white people who happen to be working. Um, Cutty shows that like the working classes are everybody, and he is de- like as much of a of a member of the work working class who is trying to help his community to be something more as any of the people any of the people we met in season two in fact he is more than them because he is not uh in league with uh with crime anymore i mean he 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 messes around a little bit in this season uh with that kind of old world that he's come from but mostly he rejects that and mostly he's about building a community building relationships doing the very things that the unions were failing to do in season two one theme that we we took here when he's talking about a lot is you know the worst that will happen is I'll I'll retire on a major salary and then one of the scenes we see in this episode is him being courted by the university to be head of security yeah uh, or a member of security staff and get like a decent salary still on a police pension uh, and kind of thinking and he's, he's not quite happy with it but at the same time he's like well eighty thousand pounds eighty thousand dollars a year and and the worst quote unquote they'd have to face would be a date rape. Um, which is that which is horrific, but at the same time, compared to shootings on the corner and dealing with drug overdoses and dealing with this day in day out, is it's a far cry. This is also the scene that has my alternative epigraph. So bring it in now. So this was from the I guess he was a university lecturer or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I ne- I need to take a tinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. If that was I went to the HBO's. Static, vroom, <laughs> and then we had the cold open, and then it was. I need to take a tinkle. <laughs> University guy, <laughs> don't even name him. <laughs> and this is where we see Herc and Carver and other Western Union guys, not Western Union guys, Western District guys, trying to round up the um, the drug dealers and send them to Amsterdam. And this is where the the. This is where it's coined, right? The the Ham- the name, the frame, Hamsterdam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I always refer to this season as the Hamsterdam season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's this is the line. This is what happens. Yeah. Like what? Amsterdam, Hamsterdam. Well, um, and it's tough. How? But it's got this idealistic thing where 
we can just round up all these guys and tell them to their face that if you go here, you can deal drugs and it'll be fine. Rightly so, they're calling bollocks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, not that easy. Like, really? You sure? Because last week you were beating us up for like selling drugs and now you're saying if we go around the corner and sell drugs, we'll be fine? I don't think so. Yeah. What I like about this is that it, Bunny is learning that you can't change society overnight. We- of course. <laughs> yeah. As good as his idea is, you know, it's you, these these institutions are entrenched. That's the problem with that being idealistic, isn't it? Unfortunately, you want to, well, let's just let's stop homeless people. That's my ideal, but there's there's things there's ways and means and measures unfortunately that that stop that happening, which is which is gutting. Yeah. Uh, and I love you got to love his dogged persistence, I guess. Yeah, he's not giving up. Yeah. He's like, okay, so yeah, that didn't work. Uh, just asking nicely. <laughs> so let's round up some buses, get everyone down to school, and then I'm going to walk out there with a microphone and they're going to listen, right? Yeah, what exactly. could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I, one of my favourite scenes in The Wire is the teacher who comes up and Bunny, the major Bunny Colvin, cannot sedate like 200 kids. But yeah. this one teacher comes out of everywhere and says, shut up! And everyone, <laughs> everyone just listens. And I thought, fucking hell, that's why we need like awesome teachers like you and yes. like that. And also it kind of shows Bunny Colvin that even given his rank and his position, that he cannot by himself control like what he's trying to control. It's not his skill set. It's not his domain, and yeah. it's a, yeah, is it, is it, and it's a, an awesome little teaser into season four. And we see, you know, we're seeing a lot of you see a lot of groundwork being placed yeah. already. I mean, yeah, it's true. Re- rewatching it again now because this is only my second rewatch. I'm like amazed at the sort of foresight they they brilliant. have, and absolutely you, brilliant, uh, isn't it? And you even see some of the characters yeah. in, in, in 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 here. My favourite character from Season 3 of The Wire is Preston Bodie Broadus. At the end of Series 2, he's the archetypal middle manager. He's hardworking, loyal, and he's going places in an organisation that seems very stable. As Series 3 goes on, it literally comes down round his ears. First the towers are blown up, then the organisation begins to break up. I think J.D. Williams does a fantastic job with this. Thank you very much for those burner messages there. If you want to leave a message for our burner, then please do. We want to hear from you guys. And it's great for everyone else, all the listeners, to hear your voices. Um, if you want to contact us, go to our social media. We're at The Wire Stripped on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And also send us an email, producers at thewirestrip.com. And just send us a 30-second voice memo telling us what your message is, tell us your name, and we'll play the best ones out in the last episode. Uh, Dave, do we have a question for next week? Yes, uh, so this week we want to know what would you have called Amsterdam? So if you were Bunny and you were in charge, not not that he called it Amsterdam, but the uh, <laughs> what what if you if you could have called it anything, what would you have called it? Can we talk about the Cutty plot? Let's talk about Cutty. This really. Let's talk about Cutty forever. I love Cuddy. He's so good. He's he's the heart of this season. Yes, for me. I mean, Bunny. Well, it's, it's him, him and, Bunny. and Bunny are kind of the stars, aren't yeah, they? They are. Yeah, That's, this is their season. Bunny's completely. driving the plot, really. But but uh, Cuddy is the heart, the absolute beating heart of this season. Yeah, and he's such a cuts such a tragic figure because you want him to succeed right from the off. He wants to change, but he 
he can't for for many different reasons. And he, I mean, he's like Bunny. Is trying so so hard, you know. Bunny Bunny has his school buses, and and Cuddy's like getting on that van every day, and he's pulling these pulling that lawnmower. Yeah, um, primate can't get it started. No, and this is him being again faced with the the reality of that, and you can't like Bunny finds out you can't change society overnight. Cutty can't change how society views him yeah. overnight and he can't change his history and he doesn't have this experience or this skill set he's very he's been very good at one thing and then suddenly it's not an easy shift and and the cold reality is as uh, as his boss tells him the this is backbreaking work yeah. you're going to your back's going to be screaming at you and you're going to go home and it's shit and you do it every day and he says it's not for everyone um, and that sort of, I think this is, this is where the cracks kind of show a little bit with Cuddy, isn't it? He gets off that van and he makes the phone call. And I, I guess it's the idealism again. That's that's the thing. It's like he comes out of prison and goes, yeah, I'm going to change my, I'm going to change everything. But because he's not gone back into an infrastructure that's set up to say, well, here's some money, go to go back to high school, get your GED, do this, do that, the other. He's gone back to where he came from. Yeah. The first person he meets, the first group he meets, is meets Slim Charles. He meets Bodhi and he goes, oh shit, Bodhi brought us. I know your brother. Where's your, how's, he, how's he doing? Oh, he's he gone dead. I'm like, shit. So it's back in the mix yeah. like straight away there. But he's, and he's welcomed. Yeah. They literally say, Slim says, uh, te- you know, tell him we're welcoming a soldier back. Or yeah. Do you know who this is? Like this is his environment and his people and he tried to get away and you're, you're right. I hadn't thought of that. The institution failed him. Yeah. There was no, nowhere at any point did he receive any help and he tried to do it on his own and he like many would took the took the easier option yeah he, he sort of has to go back to what he knows because he doesn't really have any skills but he doesn't fit in that anymore and you think the first time that um he goes to a party with I was going to say his younger co-workers. That's probably not the right expression, but when he goes to this party, this house party with the people he works with, and he's just dizzied by it all. Like everything is new. The the girls, the music, the drugs, and he's just sort of swept away on it. And, you know, when he's he's first offered drugs and he's um when, when they're in the car and he, he says well i've i've got to um go to parole tomorrow and provide a test and they both laugh at him like come on you know no one does those tests straight what are you talking about just trying to loose end with cutty because we see the guys slim charles and uh, a couple of the other guys kind of staking out this guy who seems to have a lot more money than he than he should have and this is kind of what i really liked here is that cutty's come back but he's instilling his experience from the past yeah he sees they see this one guy and they're like well where's he getting all his money from what's he doing with his money they couldn't kind of see where it's manifested could comes in and says if he's got a girl she's carrying ice that's where it's going and so already he's just got his old head straight on uh and augmenting the the barksdale crew and they're like dude we need you um yeah and it's like a stark contrast to him and the lawnmower isn't yes. it like this just is just fits straight back in this is what he's good at yeah and it's like and that's why you know why wouldn't you want to do something that you're good at so you can see it's kind of it's a, not only is it an easier option and a guaranteed money surrounded mm. by people who want you to be there yeah. um whereas you know in in he's he's literally an alien at the um 
in the in the other job, he's landscape. He's a, a landscaper with with. He wasn't um, landscaping. <laughs> yeah, he was just trying to turn on a lawnmower for for ten hours. <laughs> but like they're they're you know they're not his people. There's a language barrier. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's it's so challenging. So yeah. you, you can completely understand it. But I was screaming at the TV the whole time as well, <laughs> particularly at the end. You know when it gets kind of um, seedy and seductive, it's and it's just like yeah, and you're just like. Yeah, he's just spiraling and you you just you know it doesn't lead the only place it leads is where he's already been yeah Cuddy is this character could be his own show easily and he's relegated to fifth tier not because he's not compelling or interesting but because we have to spend all this time with McNulty chasing uh, Stringer Bell like his white whale you know <laughs> It's such a strange, it's very, it's like, I want, would want more of that Cuddy story, I don't know, built into the, the season or, or push his character up because he's, he's, he's very much just a side part of the game. On the other side of the Barksdale crew, we go back to Stringer Bell, who's finally answering Danette's calls. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, as a result of, of McNulty sticking his oar in and saying, hold on, D'Angelo didn't die. By suicide, someone else gone and killed him, and of course the person that responsible for his death is Stringer Bell. Yeah, um, I love how String like crumples up the card, McNulty's yeah. card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll crush McNulty, <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of sleezes his way back into there, doesn't he? Um, uh, I can't watch any more scenes with Stringer Bell and Danette. So much tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't get that much tongue in any other show, even like. Porn. No, <laughs> so much. Just he's off. He's off, uh, Mister Idris Elba. Um, but what we also get here is McNulty kind of chasing, chasing Stringer Bell, uh, which is his raison d'être, isn't it? Yeah, this is good. This yeah. is like, I mean, McNulty. When McNulty's on the case, it's just so enjoyable, <laughs> and he's like putting all the pieces together, and he, when he the smug, smug, McSmuggy in the in the phone, uh, ringing him from the car, and oh, he's like, God, I got your number, String, and he get you know, and he, he gets he gets it all there, and then he smugly lands it all in front of Freeman, and then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Freeman just like, oh, oh, you've got his phone number, is it four five six five six? Such a good drop the mic moment. Um, yeah, it, it is, I think. <laughs> <laughs> No one drops the mic like Freeman, do it does, they? It does it absolutely splendidly every single time. Um, but we've got we've got to say that's the sort of conclusion of this uh, Freeman and McNulty um, standoff in this episode. Because earlier in the episode, we get that absolutely knockout scene mm-hmm. um, with Lester just beating into McNulty yeah. for um, being a role. Well, for basically for going against Daniels. Yeah. Um, who, you know, he says, you, he took you off that boat and he says to Kima, he raised you from a pup. And it's like, the man has earned some loyalty. And you, and you just can't help feel like that Lester's right. I feel like Lester's right in that scene, but then later you're like, well, McNulty's kind of right as well. And that's, that's why it's... Why it's so difficult. That's why it's so difficult. But that's just a brilliant scene and they almost come to blows. Yeah. Quality. You even pretending to speak for anyone other than yourself, McNulty? I'm speaking for the job. You want to talk about police work? I was doing the job when you was just dreaming on it. Daniels was out there too. Now you're gonna fuck him when he pulled you off a goddamn boat? He's a boss. Fuck the bosses. Maybe Daniels plays a few games to get by, but he's cost himself plenty for the sake of the job. 
He's earned some loyalty. Fuck loyalty. And fuck you, Lester. I never thought I'd hear that chain of command horse shit come out of your mouth. Motherfucker, I spent a lot of time and a lot of weak units. More than you. Now, this here may not be perfect, but it's a chance to be police. Well, then be one. The way, that's, the way that ends, and to McNulty's credit, mm. is that he's actually right. You know, he's, he's saying forget the stats, and our part of this journey is that we're going to try to find the stats, make them work. But McNulty, being the renegade, is actually right. So my hat, take off my hat to you, Turkey. <laughs> yeah. Heading over to the Major Crimes Unit, we have... Well, we, Bubbles came back in the last episode, which we didn't touch on. Um, everyone who's watched The Wire loves Bubbles. You cannot not love Bubbles. So it's great to see him back. Oh, yeah. We see him with Johnny Weeks. Um, and Johnny Weeks, what happens is Keema and, Keema and McNulty go to Bubbles and Johnny Weeks and say, hey, we need you to start working for us. We need a CI. Bubbles steps up to the plate. Johnny Weeks kind of fades away to into into the distance. And yeah. we see... We see oh, for, how, for now. We see the comment. Yeah, for now. And um, we see how Kima's statement to like Kirk and Carver numerous times, you're only as good as your CI ring true because we don't know what period of time passes, but in that time when you see Bubbles on it on the case, he just gets all this information for them, which that would have taken so long for them to get and He uh, earns his yeah. he at five dollars an hour. Which is not bad if you don't live anywhere. Minimum wage, yeah. <laughs> And it's, and it's great for him. It does, a, it does a really good job for him. There's a really heartbreaking moment with Bubbles in this episode. When he's in the car with McNulty and Kima mm. and they ask him, did you ever have a real job? Or they, roughly speaking. Yeah. And he, he tells them the story about how he was working at an appliance store but uh, decided to steal something and it was, you know, it was a clock, it was a clock radio. Right. And he says it didn't, and, but he does it in, I mean, Andre Roy is such a sublime actor. He just like says, that's how he delivers what he did. You know, I didn't even want that clock radio. And then he says, that's me born fuck up. Yeah. And it's like, we've talked a lot about like how, you know, there's, there's, there's characters like Bunny and uh, who like, and Cutty and McNulty who rail against the system and try and carve their own way. You know, they're, they're rebels within their institutions, but then you've got characters who work very well within the system and find a home within it. So you've got landsman and the police, yeah. you've got, well, I, I get Avon Barksdale, you get Marlowe is a great example. And you've got bubbles yeah. who is at home. You know, he, he has, he has absolutely made peace with himself and who he is. He refers to himself as a born fuck up. It's tragic and it's not a very, um, I, I think Bubbles is better than he sees himself, but he's not somebody who is railing against the system. No, no. He's embraced it. He's accepted his lot in life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is horrifically tough. Um, that's why he's so sad because we can see him be better. He just can't get out of it uh the only souvenir i have is andre this is the voice of johnny weeks played by leo fitzpatrick i guess andre was always kind of more thoughtful (laughs) and he kind of understood that it was a special thing the show and the people and that this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing i think he still remains friends with a lot of the cast um but he printed it he gave me a photo of the two of us and that's the only thing i have from the show that I can think of. I never think to steal anything from set. Andre really brings out 
to Johnny and me, you know, like if without Andre, my character would have died like within the first 10 minutes of the show. It's like, I needed Andre to work off. And, and he's a great actor in that way that he gives you material that you're like, I can do something with this. Also on this side, Ronda Perlman and Daniels find out that, that uh, Bart stays up for parole and they're like, no, that's not going to happen. We can't do this. Uh, so Daniels comes to Ronda Perlman's office. She shows him this little letter that is that she's written to say, no, he can't be he can't be freed. He's a, he's a homicidal maniac. Homicidal. Homina, homina, homicidal. He's a homicidal maniac. <laughs> and they're like, yes, that's very good. And this, this scene kind of augments that you can see the build up of their relationship a bit more here yeah like daniels comes to the other side of the desk he's leaning on the he's leaning on the desk and ronda says i see you dressed to the left oh uh, yeah Do so you know? explicit yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what she's getting at so <laughs> so that's kind of gross <laughs> their their body language was really like as well acted in yes. this episode yeah. both, both of them because you, be- you really believe it you really I, yeah, it's like they were flirting without really flirting. Yeah, it was just the proximity and the the, the looks and the movement. Like it's they're f- fine actors, and I feel happy for for Pearlman as well. It's like Jimmy's a fuck up. Hopefully, you got something good here in in Daniels. She's way better off with Daniels. Oh yeah, let's face it. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts, Dave? Um, anything we haven't covered that you want to just add here at this point? Go on, like on the community meeting at the beginning which yeah. i thought was a, a brilliant scene i i really always enjoy in the wire when you see uh the the real people the civilians mm. you know because we we spend a lot of time in the wire in these institutions uh you know and and those the number of institutions we see it is, yeah it gets bigger every season yeah. you know now we're in politics and next year it's t- it, the, the school system and so on but you know, we rarely, we kind of rarely get to see the civilians, the people who are just like Absolutely. working in and around these people. So I, I, I think that was really enlightening to see that uh, room full of the community who were just saying, you know, I can't walk down my street. I can't get in through my own door because there's drug dealers hanging out on my it front brought, porch. It brought me back to the scene in the previous uh, season where it's the cold open was the kids getting ready for school. Oh, yeah. Firefight starts, kid's dead. Yeah. Um, and I get the feeling that people in that in that region of Baltimore know someone who's who's experienced that like firsthand. Oh, for sure. And well, I feel like everything in this show yeah. is is anecdotal. Yeah. Al- almost all of it because they drew. It's it's the most realistic show in in many ways because it's drew they drew from decades of experience from themselves mm-hmm. and their writing staff and the actors because half of them are from baltimore but the you're right in what you said that callback is like and they and they one of the woman in this scene says something similar she says we're sleeping under our beds you know, and it's like if you can, how, you, can you, how can you not put that into into your mind's vision when when she says that you know she's sleeping under their, under their beds because they are they're so scared for their lives and this yeah. is the best place in their to... own homes yeah horrific yeah I want to pull up a few things about McNulty the first thing he goes to another college I'm not sure if it's the same college as we see Stringer Bell in, in, in season one and see, and see Stringer gotta, gotta presume so Unless he's onto a different course, well, that's it. macroeconomics advanced. advanced. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and he goes to the admission. Well, he goes to the receptionist. There's a guy who I'm trailing, 
I haven't got a warrant, but, you know, he beats up women. Can I just find that? Can I just check he's here? And, you know, that wouldn't happen now with GDPR, but um, <laughs> no. says, I'll let you look at the screen, at the screen, and he goes through, sees it through the door that Stringer Bell is there in front of a computer, you know, learning about Keynesian market forces or whatever he's learning about, which <laughs> is going to then tell his, his troops. So he's still doing that same thing of, of trailing Stringer. My favourite scene of this is when... Stringer is there with Clay Davis. Clay Davis is in this episode and a couple of other people. Yeah. And Minolte's across the road. I, he's not that far across the road, but he's got his binoculars there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, could you be more, more subtle? I don't understand. And this is where I need help from someone in surveillance because I'm, I'm sure there's ways to be more subtle. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the camera does that like sort of... Zo- like it starts focus. On, on Stringer and zooms right in and yeah. McNulty through the window. Yeah, like like, like he's within clear eyeshot. <laughs> I just think he's in, he's in Stringer's peripheral vision. If all, all Stringer has to do is like look to the right briefly and think, there's a guy with binoculars. Guys, go to our Twitter, at The Wire Strip. Yeah. We're posting that as a GIF <laughs> right now. <laughs> Right, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be back for Season 3, Episode 5. It's called Straight and True. And as always, guys, if you want to contact us in the meantime, there's a few ways to do it. We have an email, producers at thewirestrip.com, and we are at thewirestrip on social media. Yes. Uh, as always, thank you to Martin and Sam from the Song by Song podcast for doing the awesome version of Way Down the Hole, which you are listening to right now. Thank you very much to Simon Devereaux, a.k.a. Devs Noodles, on Instagram for the artwork for Season 3 for The Wire Stripped. And thank you to Obi Joshua for all his uh, um, amazing work digging through uh, all those long, long interviews that we did and pulling out all the best bits. Cheers, Ben, for your production support and editing for this season. Ben Williams, that is. And as always, Tom Wally, T-Bone himself, uh, thank you for uh, steering the ship and checking the facts. <laughs> thank you very much, guys. See you See next, you week. next week. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production.